0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Midia Meets Podcast, where we talk to loads of different people from the music world. This month, I'm speaking to Gwennifer Raymond, who is a supremely talented guitarist uh, who plays in the finger style, the American primitive style of playing, Um, all guitar, no uh, lyrics. Um, Check out her music, it's absolutely phenomenal. Um, She's released a couple of albums, only only fairly recently, but um, both have been to critical acclaim. And um, yeah, you will be blown away by watching her and listening to her play the guitar. There is now a GoFundMe page for the podcast. If you want to donate to help with the running and the operation of it, it would be greatly appreciated. Um, you can see I've been inundated with donations on the GoFundMe page, if you check that out. Great, so, uh, I caught up with Grenifer over the internet, um, a few weeks ago, and the first question I asked her was about her musical beginnings.
1: Basically, uh, yeah, I was, I remember being about nine or, yeah, eight or nine or so, and, uh, having no interest whatsoever in music, as, you know, a young child of, of, often does, I guess. And then, uh, so I had this little, um, this little My First Walkman, like a little Sony, brightly colored little thing that I used to listen to books on tapes on, because I was a, you know, massive nerd. And uh, my mum bought me a copy of uh, Nevermind by Nirvana on tape. And yeah, and that was it. That was like, a, it was like an immediate an immediate switch I remember like just like you know put it in my putting my headphones on and just running around the house like a little hyperactive maniac just playing it over and over and over again and that was really my first kind of musical experience and that kind of led on to me asking for a guitar for for my birthday or for Christmas or for wherever it was and then you know kind of finding more 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 bands in in that kind of vein you know I'm pretty sure Hole was my was my next cassette you know.
0: That is uh, Courtney Love. Is that Courtney Love with this, was the singer of? Pop, yeah, right? yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it would have been a celebrity skin I think would have been the album.
0: Nice. That seems quite a jump from audiobooks. I am imagining, what sort of audiobooks were you listening to um oh. to go to to then step over to Nevermind?
1: I can't honestly. I don't, it was probably stuff like Just William and things like that, you know. <laughs> probably pretty uh, pretty vanilla kind of kid, kid uh, kids kids books, yeah.
0: That's amazing! What a radical, what a radical turn it took, thanks to one cassette tape. It really
1: was. It was. It was. It was kind
0: of. It was very, very.
1: I I used to get annoyed when people would play music because you know I just wasn't interested, and then it sort of completely flipped the world on its head.
0: Yeah, do you know it's amazing? There's an amazing correlation of a huge percentage of the people that I've interviewed, I've interviewed, I think, 25 or 26 uh, people now. And it is amazing how many people reference um, Nirvana as being like the primary reasons for getting into music.
1: Yeah, I think especially, you know, in certain age brackets as well, which are probably people who are, you know, we're into quite a broad bracket, I think. But yeah, well, they just, they were both very, very easy to listen to, right, because they wrote great, pop songs essentially, but also were kind of, had, you know, had a sort of anarchic, raw, wild sound to them. They, they balanced both both of those things. So they were like, you know, interesting, you know, it wasn't just banal pop music, but also it was really, really catchy. And you could see, you know, you can sing along.
0: Definitely. Yeah. Like Heart Shaped Box. And um, I mean, I remember, yeah, even going to, you'd go to club nights and hear Smells Like Teen Spirit. And um, yeah, it was amazing. It, it really felt, um, like it was punk, uh, as well as being yeah, like you say, pop and catchy.
1: Yeah, well, also because you know they had, they would have often have somewhat more left field sounding tracks on the on the albums you know with the with the big pop hits. So it was kind of like, it was uh, like a gateway, I think, to to weirder, noisier
0: stuff. Hmm. And so yeah, you where where did you go from from Hole and from Nirvana? What sort of where did you go from there musically?
1: Uh Well, I kind of, yeah, so I, I started, you know, I picked up guitar on that same time. And then by the time I was uh, a teenager, I was, you know, playing in, in punk and grunge bands around the valleys. And I was listening to a lot of, like a lot of kind of left field punk, like stuff like The Fall and things like that. And I kind of got really into Joy Division uh, and more maybe post-punk stuff like the Butthole Surfers I was super into. Uh, yeah, and I was sort of playing uh, in, in in bands in that vein around the valleys. Uh, and then at some point, and again, it was Nirvana again with their, um, Unplugged album, they do a Lead Belly song and that was interesting to me. Uh, and then also my parents kind of had a lot of that, you know, 60s, 70s, East Coast American vibe stuff like, you know, Bob Dylan and the Velvet Underground. And if you look at the, uh, history of that, of that side of things, obviously they were equally very interested in, uh, early American blues music and they draw a lot from it and, and appalachian folk and etc uh so and i dug that music as well it wasn't you know i was i was also kind of into that stuff uh so it was interesting that both what sound like quite different uh, musical genres kind of draw from the same well as it were so yeah i got interested and i started buying these really cheap compilation cds of uh pre-war blues music and they were really cheap because i think a lot of that music is probably you know Beyond copyright, or oh, it's probably. You know, I mean, it's also to do with the seventy-eight collectors, etc. But yeah, I to, I stack them up, and I just found you know guys like uh, Mississippi John Hurt and Blind Boy Fuller, and Blind Willie McTell, and uh, all the all the blind guys,
0: you know. and uh, <laughs> specifically, Willie Johnson. specifically looking for blind musicians. Yeah, yeah,
1: they make the best guitar it sounds. Uh yeah, and from there I kind of go into blues music and from there I also got into uh the more uh folky American stuff so the Appalachian Pickers and your your uh, Doc Boggs and your uh, and your Ruska Holcomb etc uh and then from there I ended up trying to kind of learn that style of guitar playing uh and I found a, a guy in 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 Cardiff where I was living at the time who was a really great uh guitar picker. Uh, he was a blues picker, rather. Um, especially with the alternating thumb style, which is something that guys like uh, John Hurt and uh, Blind Boy Fuller would, would use a lot. And I wanted to learn how to do that. Well, even though, you know, at that point, I'd be playing guitar for years and years and years. Uh, but I thought it was worth, you know, talking to someone who really had it down. I uh, knew it was, you know just interesting. And he then uh, introduced me to uh, the works of uh, John Faye. And that led into the American American primitive scene from there and and you know, the story continues as it were.
0: Superb. And what is the alternating thumb style out of interest for the layman? Like oh,
1: so alternating thumb. Yeah, it's it's basically a way of self self accompanying yourself when you play guitar. So if especially if you're playing very. If, it, well, it's used a lot if you're playing instrumental guitar. So it's kind of the primary technique used by American primitive pickers, but it was also used by, uh, by early blues players. Essentially, yeah, it's a way of accompanying yourself. So the alternating thumb is your thumb is playing a bass line and typically it'll be alternating between two strings, hence why it's called an alternating thumb, to give it like a boom, 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 boom kind of a sound. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you, with the rest of your fingers, you're picking out the melody. So it can it can make it sound like there's more than one guitar playing at the same time.
0: Cool. Oh, thank you for explaining that. I will be asking stupid questions throughout the uh interview, but that made perfect sense. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, um yeah, so you grew up in Cardiff, you mentioned Cardiff there. Um and the valleys yeah, are like of course Gruper. surrounding yeah. surrounding Cardiff. Where where did you grow up? Like was it in Cardiff?
1: No i grew up i I, I grew up originally uh, in, a, in a small village uh, some, some way north of Cardiff, just at the start of the South Wales valleys so a little village called Taft's well. Oh Taft's well, really. Well fun on Tav, if you wish.
0: Yeah, I used to work at Nangaru um, for company's oh, house, okay. so I yeah. used to cycle up I used to cycle up the um, the Taft Trail to go to work from from yeah. Cardiff every morning.
1: Ah, oh, there you go then. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so I know it's beautiful, isn't it? Absolutely beautiful out there.
1: Yeah, yeah, right at the foot of the Garth Mountain, yeah?
0: Yeah, exactly, yeah, I noticed that in one of your uh, your album titles. I was like, I recognise the name of Garth, and I had to sort of look. I was like, oh yeah, I cycled past it every day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it is, yeah, it is a beautiful, a beautiful part of the world, isn't it? Um, what were you doing in bands? Um, what, were you, what was your role in bands like when you were playing in collectives? What were you doing?
1: Uh, I actually started off playing in bands as a a drummer. Uh, I think I played my first gig when I was maybe I think I just turned fourteen or something. I ended ended up depping in my uh, elder brother's noise band uh, (laughs) in the in the the Welsh club in Cardiff. So yeah, I started up playing playing drums for quite a few years, uh, and then and then eventually just changed to playing guitar. You know, I, I was I was a guitar player, but just you know just for myself. And then eventually, after you know a good number of years decided to to have a pop at playing the guitar instead. But yeah, it was mostly just you know, punk and grunge, loud, noisy, loud, noisy fun stuff, you know, it's still fun.
0: Great. Yeah, I mean, um I've yeah, I've spent many a time in pubs in and around Cardiff and I I don't think there's an atmosphere like it when there's a live band playing in like a small pub in the, no, the middle of nowhere. Um,
1: yeah, absolutely.
0: Some yeah, glorious um, moments.
1: S- Yeah, some of the best gigs I've ever played have definitely been especially with the with when I was, you know, doing the punk band thing, have been in, you know, little little villages and towns in the middle of nowhere because you get like every single kid from the town turns up because there's nothing else to do there. And they go and they go mental. Those are always the best gigs by far.
0: Definitely. I think it's a great part of the world. I've got really fond memories of living in Cardiff. Um it sort of had a sensibility it's like has it like a town mentality in the city. This a
1: yeah. This is a good town. I love Cardiff. I kind of, I kind of miss it sometimes. Although you know, Brighton's pretty cool too. So,
0: yeah, yeah. Maybe we'll go on to Brighton a bit later. So that was amazing that you found you managed to find a blues a blues uh, teacher in uh, when you were starting out. So um, yeah, so you went from being a drummer and then yeah, where what 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 sort of development did you go from? When you started to play guitar like solo,
1: um, well, yeah, I was just originally I just wanted to to learn it. I had nothing more than just you know curiosity. I wanted to be able to play, uh, you know, John Hurt songs. If effectively, that really was it. I started off learning John Hurt songs, and um, from there, I guess I just started. I'm really bad at learning whole songs. I've got like a terrible attention span, so I'll I usually learn about thirty seconds, and then that's kind of it for me. And I'll start you know, mucking about with it. Uh-huh. And from that, I ended up, I just started to write my, my own little tunes. And, um, I'm, you know, I can't sing a note, so they would consequently become quite, you know, complicated, I guess, in terms of the composition, uh, as instrumental pieces. And it never occurred to me that that could actually just be a thing. And I think, uh, yeah, I started, this was at the time that I, I, I was, uh, seeing this teacher and, uh, I started showing them him these little, these little bits that I was writing and these sort of songs, these instrumental compositions that I'd written. And, and he then, that was when he introduced me to, to John Faye because, you know, to, to illustrate the fact that this was actually kind of a musical genre already of this instrumental, vaguely avant-garde American, uh, guitar instrumentals, which drew heavily from, from early American blues and folk music.
0: Hmm, That's superb. I mean, um, yeah, sort of great to have that I think it's great to go on your own adventure and, and go down whatever you feel like you want to do with something. And it is amazing to then find people throughout history who've been doing similar things or they've been on a similar sort of journey to you.
1: Yeah, yeah, so, certainly.
0: Because the, the people that you reference have, um were born in sort of the 19... the very early 1900s um, or 1920s and 30s. Um, so yeah, your life's correlated in some way. I think that's really amazing.
1: Yeah, you know, well, it's all, it's all just a long story, isn't it? I don't think nothing really changes in the long run. Uh, It's, uh, the reason why, you know, the reason why people liked certain forms of music (laughs) early on, right, is the same reason as we like everything. Like I, I've always said that punk music is essentially just, well, you know, somewhat contemporary folk music. It's kind of drawn from the same thing of it's, uh, an un un right. It has a sort of DIY aspect to it. So essentially, it, it it is just folk music.
0: Yeah, definitely. How would you define punk music? Uh,
1: <laughs> folk folk music. Uh, yeah, no, I no, just, uh, oh uh, yeah, unschooled DIY music. I guess it's just something that is being, yeah, attacked from a from a uh, an uh, i don't know what the word would be and yeah an unschooled sensibility uh, just that desire to put something out there and, and not to attempt to do something that is fits into a particular school or or thought of music right i mean I, and at least initially obviously everything everything becomes everything becomes a cult eventually i know this became a thing in the uh in the uh in the in the punk movement in the 70s and 80s where uh you know, initially it was just this thing where you don't have to play guitar solos. You know, because preceded it, right? It was there was a, there was that kind of whole pro- prog prog music thing, mm-hmm. and so the punk attitude was: we don't have to be good at playing guitar. We don't have to play endless guitar solos. We're just gonna spit out this song, and then and that was kind of the yeah, you know, the beautiful attitude about it, right? You didn't have to be. You didn't have to be anything to create it and then later on uh, in the punk movement it became you are not allowed to play a guitar solo and then it becomes authoritative again, right? So everything, everything goes in cycles.
0: of a feeling a bit like I think uh Kurt Cobain used to say like his th- there a lot of Nirvana songs would come out of them just getting a sound you know like playing together and then and then the words would be sort of like an afterthought for for what they were doing it was yeah I guess like that that idea of expressing yeah. yourself without words um yeah which is also something that you've you've talked about isn't it um uh, I have, I do have a note on that somewhere, but yeah, you sort of said you prefer the expression of playing a singular instrument without words. Why, why, why is that?
1: I just think there's certain things that are like the entirety of like the human experience or like, whatever you want to think of is not necessarily, you know, it's kind of more complicated than 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 our language has evolved to allow to express it's and especially maybe i don't know maybe the greatest poets to have ever lived could 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 feasibly do it but for most people is hard <laughs> right i'm not the most articulate uh, person in the world myself but uh there are certain concepts i think that are very difficult if not impossible to put into words like we've got words right we've got words like melancholic right I mean you kind of know what melancholic means but I guess it's kind of maybe it's like that thing with the um of Inuit having a, 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 you know a hundred words for snow or whatever right maybe we we could conceivably come up with uh, a hundred different words for the specific modes of melancholia right but then you're kind of then you're quantizing it into these very specific things and <laughs> and music doesn't really work like that music is it it has it, it it kind of presents this continuum of, of emotion. Right. And it has this idea that you're creating like a, a land, you're making like a sonic landscape, which represents a, a, a world of, of feeling somehow. Uh, and yeah, which are things that you, you, when you kind of, you, you know what you feel, but you can't, you can't say it. And sometimes you just feel like, yeah, that, 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 sound is it. And I don't really know what it is. I'm not, I can't analyze myself enough to know what it is that I'm feeling. But that, that thing right there is, is it, you know? Absolutely. It's, it's really hard to explain because you're trying to explain why you can't use words to, why you can't use words to say these things through
0: words. Right? <laughs> yeah, it's possible. like sort of asking you to explain it, explain and annoy. I think actually in the day-to-day, I don't know if you know the day-to-day with Chris Morris, he does ask one of the reporters to sum, sum up the story in a noise. Um, which is just like yeah just a bit stupid but um yeah it's I don't know if you've ever experimented with psychedelics in any uh at any time I certainly have now and again and uh I think yeah the univ the one unifying thing people experience when taking them is that language is fairly meaningless in comparison to the other things you know
1: well, it's just that thing where you have to send your languages. It's, it's, uh, it's a set of discrete expressions, right? So you only have whatever as many combinations as you have words to create a, a thought. Mm-hmm. So effectively, there is you you know just just numerically a limit.
0: Yeah. I th- I like the way that you describe that, and also the yeah the quantizing of the of the feelings. What's interesting is uh, in Russian, in Russia, in r- the Russian language, I guess yeah. Also, like, obviously, languages change between countries, but they in the Russian language they have lots of words for emotion that we don't have. Like they have they've really categorized emotion in a really beautiful and articulate way, whereas we just go happy, sad in English. Um and obviously, there are you know there's variant variations on them, but um yeah, it's interesting that in Russian they do express emotion in in a sort of a deeper level than than what we would
1: yeah, it's interesting,
0: yeah, um, can we just start the mention of um a few sort of numerical and uh programming type words that you've that you've related it's a language you also do programming for a living, right.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh I uh, I make, yeah, work in video games essentially. Yeah. Uh, as, a, as a coder, yeah.
0: That's really cool. When did you when did you get into computer games? When did you first start playing games? Well playing, yeah, I,
1: you know, I, from, as when I was a kid I think I had a I had a Master System two for some for some young birthday that I shared with my uh, I shared with my brothers. Uh, yeah, I just I kinda grew up, um play I I've never been actually like a hardcore gamer, which was kind of Obviously strange given that now it's my it's my job. Uh but I was um I I studied astrophysics uh, for a long time and uh through that I learned computer programming. And I was, you know, casually playing video games, uh in you know, in my spare time every now and again and I got just got as I do, I just got curious as to uh, well how how do you how do you program one of these things? How do you make this thing? And then I just started teaching myself it and ended up working in it, yeah.
0: How do you I mean I, I mean the the danger of the video the subject of video games for me is that we could now talk for hours and hours about video games because I I'm a big video game fan. Um, but um, yeah, I think Mass, Mass System 2 had Alex Kidd built in, is that correct? That's yeah, the one I think there was different
1: editions, but that yeah, I I had the yeah, I had the Alex Kidd in Wonderland when he goes Excellent. to play.
0: yeah i am a super gaming nerd um and have had a couple of gaming conversations during the podcast one guy who worked for media molecule on little big planet ah uh, yeah 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 I know them. so i interviewed um kenny young who um, did all the music and sound for little big planet which was really fun right yeah, um yeah. forgotten what I, i've forgotten the question i was going to ask now um drop my pen as well hold on a minute uh yeah so through how did you teach yourself to program then I just, well,
1: I mean, I had the basics down from, from my work in a, you know, as, as an astrophysicist, um, uh, which, but the difference being is that, uh, in physics, we sort of, you're doing mostly, uh, kind of linear, well, you just do a slightly different type of program versus in, in, uh, in, 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 in video games, it's more like pretty full-on uh, object oriented stuff. Uh, so that was the thing I had to learn. I just, I just, I just... Started making a game. I really, I'm really bad at sitting back and just like learning the fundamentals. I just started. I think I was working in, no. First of all, I got SDL with OpenGL. And I made a little side scroller, and then I started looking at things like Unity. You know, all these, all these uh, engines that people use these days. But yeah, I just started making stuff. I mean, that's how I think that's the best way to learn anything, right? Rather than sitting down and learning your learning your your theory, uh, to to the finest tooth and nail. I just I just start making stuff. Chuck it together. It'll be all right.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, I've got a book here which I'll show you now. That's um, it's just stayed on the shelf, to be honest. Um, I got that from a charity shop.
1: Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, it's good for reference. But your you, your best bet is just to, like, what you could do. You could start with someone else's code, and then you you start playing around with it and see
0: what else you can make it do. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's always the best way um, in developing software. Like I I make a, a couple of uh, like Max for Live devices for Ableton, which are like software. Plugins, yeah. Yeah. and yeah, the early days of that—that's the best advice. What you said there, the early days of that, were just ripping apart other people's things and going, "How how the hell does this work?" Yeah,
1: definitely. and
0: and yeah, and where did you how what what led you to uh study astrophysics?
1: Uh, well, uh, st- <laughs> honestly, Star Trek. Uh, yeah, I loved really? Star Trek <laughs> <laughs> when I was when I was when I was a kid. Uh, yeah, I loved Star Trek when I was a kid. I may have had a uniform. Uh, <laughs> and uh yeah. Okay. So space was cool, so I wanted to do space stuff. So yeah, I just did astrophysics. I mean honestly wow. that's that's not uh that's not a, a, a rare statement. I would say roughly eighty percent of every every astrophysicist and astronomer I've met have gotten into it because of Star Trek. <laughs> are they
0: are they um yeah, wow well, is that like on the sort of the um, the form when you're signing up? Um, yeah. When you're, yeah. you're applying to university, did you are you doing this course because you a like Star Trek, Star Wars, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? <laughs> You've got to fill That's out Klingon. That's so cool. That's so cool. And what did you do in college to be able to sort of get you to to enable that?
1: Um, in what do you mean, like in sixth form or?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, my, my maths and physics
0: <laughs> yeah okay yeah that makes sense <laughs> amazing I think that's incredible yeah you've not only got a, a master's in astrophysics but a PhD um, yeah yeah what were your aspirations with with astrophysics
1: yeah I mean I guess I, I wanted to be a, a scientist um you know do astrophysics but I, I kind of as I especially as I was doing my PhD um I just found I'm, I'm pretty bad for as i've mentioned before my attention is kind of terrible and i i mean I'm, in, I'm interested in like lots and lots of different things and i like to be able to do lots of different things and especially music right music's super important to me obviously uh so the thing is about uh you know scientific academia is that really to do it to any decent level you've got to be completely completely obsessed he's basically dedicate 100 percent of your life to it and i just that this wasn't me so I, I, mm-hmm. I ended up deciding that I wasn't going to pursue uh, I was going to finish, I I would finish my PhD but not not pursue a path in uh, in academia due to that because I wanted to be able to do other stuff as well, you know.
0: Wow, that seems the amazing amazing level of for someone who says that they don't have much of an attention span, that's an amazing level of dedication.
1: Uh, you know, it's, <laughs> I'm good at sticking to things, I guess. One, well, maybe not. Actually, I'm not going to stick to things. I'm going to stick to things to, for for the appropriate period, but then I might need to do something else.
0: That's amazing. That's really, really cool. Um, yeah. So when did you, as a as a sort of solo artist, when did you start gigging and, and how did that all come about?
1: Um, well... Yeah, I I guess so I started gigging originally. I would just I think I I was playing in like a a, a folk band and I just died occasionally opening for the band. Uh and then yeah, I would just play open mics and stuff. Uh and that was when I was still in Cardiff. And then I moved to, uh, to Brighton and again, was just playing little, little shows. Honestly, I kind of, it was, I was struggling to, 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 to get gigs when I was living in Brighton. Uh, originally it was a bit of a, to the point where, um, I actually considered giving up because I'd played, you know, a couple of dozen shows to absolutely bloody no one. And no, you know, no one seemed interested. It was really hard to get, to get uh, any, any promoters to, to, to put me on. And then, uh, one, one evening I was playing a show to, to not many people and really, really seriously saying to myself, this is it. I think, I think this is going to be my last show because I just, I'm just getting, you know, getting nothing back. Obviously, you're not, you're not doing it for adulation, but it is hard to play a million shows with, you know, two people in the audience who aren't listening. Uh, but anyway, on that night, I had an email from uh, Josh at Tompkins Square who are a, a label in San Francisco, who uh, put out a lot of great stuff, a lot of stuff that I uh, you know, already owned at that point and was a big fan of, uh, asking me if I would be interested in putting an album out because they had somehow found me from a, my, my, a friend of mine passed my album on to uh, uh Jeff Davidson at at WFMU in New York, who's a they're, a, they're a radio station, and he really liked it and he played it and he sent it to Josh and Josh is a is kind of a maniac who does that sort of stuff went ah yeah I'll put that out so yeah from there ended up getting like getting a getting a deal with one of my favorite record labels
0: it funny how like the moment you totally give up on something and you just like lose all hope that yeah. some magic some spark happens um, I think that's yeah, incredible was, especially yeah, from like all the wild. way over the other side of the world it's not like someone in Hastings said oh hey can you you know it's like it's like adulation from afar When yeah, it, was, you- it was wild it was completely out of nowhere <laughs> Yeah, and so they asked you to make an album. Yeah, which what uh what yeah when was that when when did Tompkins Square approach you?
1: Um oh god I can't even remember now. It was a couple because I'm really slow at putting stuff out. Uh, so it was a f- two two or three years ago, I guess.
0: Amazing, and that was you were never much of a dancer.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's the one.
0: Where did the title of that come from?
1: uh i mean all my titles are a bit they're not very 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 occasionally it'll be about a specific subject but usually the song comes first and then typically a title will eventually make itself apparent or in that case an album title it's more like it's that whole thing right of like how things are hard to put into words and they're often quite nebulous my titles because they are about that thing that's kind of a vague that vague sense of something i don't i don't know that just felt like the right title for that album
0: hmm it's really cool yeah i I do like a lot like your titles are quite enigmatic and um yeah the for, like hell for certain i love that that as a yeah as an as a, as a song title it's just like you can interpret that however you want
1: yeah yeah i mean it's it's a it's a also it's a place it's a town in america
0: is it yep what hell for certain <laughs> yeah 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 why did they call it that
1: <laughs> oh there's tons of great great there's tons of great uh uh town names in the states because yeah the, the, you know it's during during the 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 i guess when they were um well, I've forgot what the word is but yeah yeah you know enter- entering the countries were yeah they 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 were just because there's lots of um they will be named after the local business as well. Uh, and obviously, you know, it being more modern than most, most, you know, most places got their, got their English language names at least, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago. But America, you know, a lot of places only got named like a hundred, 200 years ago. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's all, you know, there's, what's the, what's the famous one? It's, um, ah, I can't, it's, ah, I've forgotten. It's gone out of my head. There's, there are some amazing, it's worth looking up, uh, amazing American town names.
0: I'm certainly going to do that. That's an amazing idea. I was not aware that that was a place name. Um, yep. I want to know who came up with that idea. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, really very well received that first album, you know, a lot of praise from really, um, yeah, you know, the highest level, really.
1: Yeah, I think, I think so. It seemed to go down pretty well. I mean, Yeah. <laughs> it was nice. Yeah, you yeah. know, I, I try not, I try not to focus on 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 that stuff because either you'll get bummed out if if it isn't received how you want it to, or if it's received too well, then you get psyched out. So I try just to, I try just to ignore that stuff.
0: Exactly, and I think um, it's fair to say you can't control the reaction to, you can't control the reaction to your music, can you? So
1: you can't no, control whether just...
0: people love it or they hate it or anything. So yeah, I think it's a good standing point uh to yeah just to let it be that's so cool and then did you how what did you do when that album came out to sort of um get it heard
1: uh, i just played a, a lot of shows uh i kind of managed to get uh, i got a, a booking agent after the album came out and that helped a lot because i am i really am bad at representing myself uh two people <laughs> <laughs> and getting shows uh so having an agent was was tremendously useful in all of a sudden going from playing, you know, a handful of shows to playing a, a lot of shows. So that's, that's been, that's been great. So yeah, just sort of ended up going around a lot, you know, lots of shows uh, in in Europe and uh, yeah, play a lot of gigs, man. That's, that's, that's the idea. And that's, you know, I, I, that's the bit I, I like. I like touring and playing shows.
0: Yeah. Did you go over to America? Did you play in America too? Uh,
1: I i didn't before the album came sorry i didn't after the album came out but i did before uh i went uh so there was a festival just before the album came out so uh, whatever year that was 2018 um uh in uh, tacoma park which is just north of uh, washington dc uh thousand incarnations of the rose festival uh which was this basically an american primitive festival uh so Tacoma Park is the hometown of 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 John Fay, which is why it was held there, and it's kind of wild because it's not not exactly a, not exactly a huge town, and you had basically every every uh, imp- American Primitive p- player of note that you can think of there. Uh, so you know you had your, your Glenn Jones and your Daniel Bachman and your Max Oaks and everyone, everyone, Mercer Anderson, Sarah Louise, like every every, every bugger was there, uh, and so Josh from Tompkins Square just asked me if I wanted to come up and I still, I wasn't, I didn't play as much of the part of the main, main program. So I ended up playing lots of the, the, uh, the little bars and stuff in town. Um, and I play, and I played Rhizome, which is an amazing, uh, venue. Uh, If you're ever in Tacoma Park, go to, go to Rhizome. It's like built basically into a house, uh, on the edge of town. Uh, yeah. So I, that, that, I, so I played in the states then, and then I did also did a show in uh, in uh, Williamsburg uh, around the same time. But that was before the album came out, so that was kind of uh, a fun little adventure beforehand.
0: Yeah, what did that feel like to be playing alongside all those the finger finger style greats?
1: Oh, it was wild, yeah, and it was just great. I remember walking in, um, walking walking into the back of Rhizome, Actually, it was like a nice hot day, and uh, I think Will Schauber and a couple of guys were there just sitting playing playing fiddle and banjo and guitar like you know beautifully which is just not a thing you really see very very often you know in in uh, in the UK you don't really walk onto someone's back porch and there's like amazing fiddle music happening (laughs) so it's kind of like walking onto a set of a film to be honest
0: that's that's really cool yeah because because you did mention in another interview about being um sort of um your style of music didn't really fit with Anyone else who was playing, um, which had which had the plus point of meaning that you got put on uh, lineups with of a huge variation of other artists. Um, yeah. So yeah, it I must have been gone.
1: No, you say it's not. I think that that's more like there are plenty of American primitive pickers, uh, certainly. But it's more that yeah, American primitive doesn't really fit in. It doesn't fit in av- folk music, and it doesn't fit in avant-garde music. Or rather, it does fit. In, in both so yeah you end up playing really traditional folk shows and also you know the most hipster avant-garde shows available to you in berlin uh both of which i have done it's 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 uh, it's great because i actually do genuinely love both those sorts of you know scenes uh so it's it's it's, it's quite quite nice really being able to do that
0: yeah definitely sorry to miss mis uh explained that yeah. you're Misarticulated your thoughts there I know that's um, that's not cool Um, But yeah, I mean, you've also Been played very recently By Stuart McConey, which is how I came across your music
1: Oh, okay yeah. So
0: uh, yeah, he has a show called uh, The Freak Zone on a Sunday oh. night
1: Yes, no, I do know Freak Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, sorry, I'm terrible with names But yeah, yeah, The Freak Zone, of course No, I've just done a playlist for Freak Zone, actually Have you? Yeah, yeah, oh, it fantastic! It's fun, I got to play I got to pick all my weird stuff. It was great. I was trying to. I was pushing the limits of how obnoxious can I be.
0: <laughs> I think that's exactly what Stuart wants. I think that that would okay. like fit the bill. Do you know when that's gonna be out?
1: Uh yeah. I think it's it's. Um, let me think. I believe it's. I, mean, I think be Christmas Eve, right? Because it, it's 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 on. They're on a midnight that makes the, those those playlists. So mm-hmm. I think it's midnight as it turns to christmas eve wow that's so cool. we'll have actually by the time it plays it will you know by the time this comes out it will, have, it will have it will have been
0: that's yeah that's unfortunate we're speaking in the we're speaking in the past at the moment the the figurative yeah, yeah. past yeah. that's amazing though yeah um i love i love Stuart. he's he's a great guy and um yeah your your music is really really incredible it is really really powerful i've um uh, i've really enjoyed listening to it and um yeah, you sort of described... I don't know if this was your first album or your second, but you described it as being about spooky trees, um, black against a grey sky, breath misting in cold air. I This was your second album, wasn't it? Cold Trains, yeah, Dead yeah, Men, Personal Tragedies and the Madness of Touring. Um, yeah, I love all of those descriptions. Um, th- there's definitely like a uh like an ethereal sort of weird darkness to it um yeah how how do you how do you feel like you express yourself through the guitar
1: um <laughs> uh i guess i mean certainly i i i do like so i i'm a big fan of 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 riffs as it were right piece like strong strong uh melody lines but at the same time, I, I quite like when you display an absolute, you know, an absolute banger of a riff. But then you just you just shift it slightly, you know, maybe sort of towards the end, where I always call it playing the playing the wrong note, where you you just you, you you kind of finish it in a slightly unexpected place, and that that and that you know, usually that's just through use of things like um, dissonance, and that naturally because it's it's something that's familiar, right? But then there's something just wrong about it, and that's it's almost like the uncanny valley right or mm. something it's very very close to being what you expect but there's something not quite right about it and i think that's that's what like kind of that's good goth gothic stuff right i mean that's kind of what british folk horror is right it's like beautiful pastoral scenes and something is wrong underneath you know
0: mm. yeah like the the sort of juxtaposition of the the two things together uh sure, the sort of yeah. balance of the imbalance maybe
1: yeah, it's just about I don't know, <laughs> something pretty with an underlying menace is certainly a, 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 a favorite theme in all in all forms of uh, media for me.
0: Yeah, underlying menace, yeah, that's a good way of putting it. I think that's that's possibly yeah, that that is a really amazing way of putting it. Um yeah, I mean your technique is incredible like um the emotion that goes into it, uh, as as well as like physically what you're doing as well. You must. How does it feel to be playing a piece for sort of ten or fifteen minutes? Like what's happening to you then while while you're doing that?
1: Um, I don't know. You're just sort of quite absorbed because at a certain point of you know when you've been playing. Uh, for a long time the physical aspect of it isn't really something you, you you think about right it's just it's like completely automatic it's like walking and breathing it just it just happens so it's more that you're kind of listening to your self play as opposed to thinking about what you're playing and it's just I guess you kind of get into this semi-meditative Hopefully, uh, you know, if it, that, this is a good show, right? There's always there's always a bad show when you you can't get into the right headspace and you're just thinking about what you had for dinner. But sometimes when you're, when you're playing a good show, you kind of get really drawn in to it. So you're listening to it in the same way as the audience is really, right? Because you know, I'm just not thinking about what, what what how to play it. I'm just playing it. And uh, so I'm hearing it kind of independently of that mechanical action.
0: Do you ever have moments when you... Uh, sort of wake up having been playing if you like your conscious yeah sometimes conscious certainly. brain like switches on and says like wow what did i just you do then you know
1: i mean not 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 mechanically uh, you know in terms of the, the the fingers definitely do their own thing at this point um it is quite strange i really it's actually really hard to to um explain to people technique for me i, I would be you know. You often get I have people ask you know, do you do you teach at all? And like, I will be the worst teacher in the world because I can't explain because I do not think about what I'm doing like at all. It just it's like a completely independent action. So that stuff just happens, and I don't worry. I'm just gonna leave it. It it's, it it works, <laughs> so it's fine. But yeah, certainly in terms of your 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 mental presence in a show, yeah. Sometimes you do all of a sudden go, hey, wait, where am I? What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, it seems like you're, you talked about, um, a guitar that was given to you by, um, I've written down his name here somewhere. Kate Casey or Kaiser, someone?
1: Henry, Henry Henry Kaiser. Henry Kaiser,
0: yeah. You talked about a, a guitar you were given that, um, you feel is possessed in some way.
1: Yeah, so, yeah, Henry Kaiser, he gave me, ridiculously generously, he gave me, uh, a guitar of his uh from the dating back to i think it's like 1888 or something wow. from you know from the late 1800s which is crazy uh and yeah, i he, he gave it me when i was in the states and um yeah it's it's weird it's one of those guitars where you just when you play on it it you always play well like it's like it itself is telling you what what to do and how to be played. Honestly, it's a bit of a scary because it's such a, an amazing guitar that, and it's you know, obviously a proper antique that I'm kind of scared to play it at this point because I do have a bit of an aggressive style and I may be digging a hole in it. So I need to be careful with it at this point and keep it for special occasions. But certainly, yeah, I think, but I think that's true for all good guitars. I think all good, all good guitars have got have got demons in you know that have kind of got their own vibe. That's why, you know, if you played every guitar plays plays because 'cause they've all got their own they're all got they've all got their own thing going on that they wanna make you do, I think. Same for tunings. because 'cause they've all got their own thing they do. And they're gonna make you do it <laughs> hopefully, you know. And if you're a good picker you should be listening, right? So
0: Yeah, I love that idea. I think that is really cool. And I, yeah, I do think, um, I mean, in uh, in the world that I'm in, it's like synths, I guess. And um, yeah, you get a yeah. feeling of personality and and character uh, that's intangible. That's cool, yeah. uh, and just also like, I guess, uh, an attraction to a particular object or particular one that you've got some chemistry with.
1: Yeah, totally. I mean, since confuse confused the hell out of me. There's too many too many knobs, man. I got I got the six strings and that that's 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 complicated now. Yeah. I do occasionally play around with synths. So I'm just bad at it.
0: <laughs> well, I just I think that's ama- yeah, you've talked about like the purity of 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 just using the acoustic guitar. Um and that your second album Strange Lights Over Garth Mountain was recorded in your basement flat with a friend of yours, who you paid in beer.
1: Oh no! The first album was in, recorded in a, in in a well. There's, there's there's two there's two so the two the two albums are the first one was recorded in an attic flat with my friend who I paid. Oh right, beer, okay. And the second album was <laughs> the second album was recorded in a basement flat, uh, which I recorded alone uh, because of we were in lockdown.
0: Right. Well, I've combined. Sorry, I've combined the two albums into one recording process. That's funny! Wow, you recorded that second album completely by yourself.
1: Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. amazing. It was alright, you know. You just sort of—it's kind of nice being on your own because you get to—you don't have to worry about anyone else. Because sometimes I get worried that you know, if I want to, a I don't like people—I don't like people looking at me when I'm recording. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like it kind of sucks me out, and b um, I just get concerned about time and is this other person annoyed by my obsession. And sometimes I don't obsess. Sometimes I'm I'm quite I can be quite good at like going right. That was good enough. I'm gonna shut up now because I kind of hate that. Uh, I kind of hate k- perfect sounding recordings. I think all of all of, all of that humanity is in you know finger scratches and you know a, an occasional duff note. I think is what humanizes a record. Versus if you've got if your record sounds perfect, you might as well have gotten a robot to play it. Like what's the point? Exactly.
0: Exactly. Um, I mean, you've been an AI yeah. programmer. Um, I think there's a lot of electronic musicians yeah. that are quite worried that um, soon they're going to be out of a job. And I don't think the, the AI is ever going to be able to play a guitar like you can play the guitar. <laughs> <laughs> Not for a little while. <laughs> That's so cool. No, I, I do love that you, you dedicated... Um, yeah, you dedicated your, your, your... I don't know the word. I can't think of the word. Your craft to like the single instrument. I think that is amazing. Um, uh, Amazing sort of level of determination and, and and dedication and purity. Um, It's also sort of quite anti-capitalist in a way. I I suppose. Yeah. I mean, it's,
1: it's, well, I don't know. You might not say that given how many guitars I own. (laughs)
0: 372 guitars. Maybe not quite, but yeah, you know, you know, but yeah, it's, it's, more on. than one. <laughs> mm. Mm. You 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 also spoke about having a a, a guitar with a painting of a dog on it, which was quite funny.
1: Oh yeah, that's my uh my uh Bradley Kincaid Kincaid Hound Dog. Yeah, quite a few of the tracks on the first album were recorded on that. It's a nice little nice little parlor from the twenties.
0: Amazing. Yeah, I think uh you know there's a lot of I was just sort of trying to articulate where um this anti-capitalist idea thing. Uh, came from with with the way that you're performing by yourself and in fact recording by yourself as well and um, I think we sort of get we get sort of conditioned in some way to to um, rely on products to make us feel better or to replace oh, replace feelings and um, in in that happening in the world it's great that um, yeah that you're just dedicating to that one instrument, because you know, lots of people I think who pick up a guitar the moment they discover pedals, they just go, Oh, I'll put a big reverb on it, and I'll sound better. Put a chorus, and I'll sound better. Put overdrive on it, I will sound better." Um, I really admire that the dedication you have to stick to the singular instrument.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, it just means you have to. It it just mean you have to focus on composition, right? That's the whole thing. Is that it's very easy to to not to think about. I mean it. To be fair like i mean like there are there's plenty of, of of good music out there which is more about the the you know the sonic landscape versus you know uh, melodic composition that I, that, I, that I like a lot of you know in fact you know uh, the sort of synth and electronic music you know is 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 about kind of creating sound know, worlds of worlds of sound and soundscapes and that uh but i in terms of- r- r- writing music myself yeah i like i like to do melodic Uh, composition and you that's all you can do it's kind of the same as same as piano right on the piano you you'd write a composition effectively on an acoustic guitar that's what you do it's 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 a composition
0: Mm. it's really really cool um and so, so the second album which you recorded and released this year strange lights over garth mountain um, yeah, what, what was the process behind sort of the, um, putting that together?
1: Um, well, in terms of writing it, it was just written over. Uh, I'm really slow at writing. Um, I'm not, you know, I, I take, I tend to not throw away many songs. Um, so what happens is songs kind of, oh, I sort of do and I sort of don't. Usually if I like, I can, I'll, I, you know, I might have an initial riff or whatever, uh, and I can't. Um, find a way to kind of turn that into an entire song. So it kind of that that sort of goes on the uh, goes on the uh, on the backlog of of sounds, as it were. But then often what will happen is it comes back. You know you'll be you'll be noodling around with with some new bit, and all of a sudden you realize that this this thing you wrote six months ago actually you na- you really want to go into that. You kind of I mean, obviously you've half remembered it, and then you go oh no, I really want to play that now, and it kind of comes out of that. Uh, so uh, so the process really is just it's nothing particular it's just playing a lot of guitar and eventually you've got you've got a bunch of songs and you go all right so this is this is about and you know you don't I well I find that I don't have to think thematically about what I'm going to put on an album because typically you know all of the songs you've written in a certain period are naturally have a some you know a thematic similarity between them because they've all been written at a, during a certain Certain period, right? So you would hope that you kind of see an evol, uh, you know, you would see like an evolution, of uh of 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 a person's music through you know chronologically through their through their albums, right? Um, and that's kind of interesting. Uh, but, yeah, I just, you know, I was playing lots of gigs and writing songs, and that was it. Wasn't really anything special. It was just it was just that, and then went to, went. All right, I've got I've got I've got enough to put on an album here. I'm gonna, you I know, mean, I like them all, and they've all, they all seem to work together. So. I'm gonna put them one album and then booked in the studio and then we got hit with COVID, so no more studio and I'm gonna record them in my flat. So yeah, that's what happened.
0: Superb. Um, where were you gonna record it? Did you have like a any like a grand studio planned? Where were you gonna record it?
1: Oh, there's a guy called uh, called Ben uh, Ben Walker in uh, in Brighton. Who is uh, he's a he's an also like an instrumental player and uh, he's he's got his own studio. Uh, in in I think he he like owns two flats and he lives in one flat is the studio and the flat above it is his house. Nice. And uh, I was going to record it uh, with him, uh, but yeah, obviously that didn't that didn't happen.
0: Well, you seem to do a pretty bloody good job on your own. <laughs> 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 yeah, it was
1: pretty fun. Quite quite it was quite interesting. I sort of you know figuring out. Cause I've done bits of recording before, but actually trying to figure it out a bit more properly, as it were, how to how to do certain things is quite. It's quite interesting. Obviously, I'm from a Philly technical background, so I was kind of interested in the physics of the acoustics and all that sort of stuff.
0: Yeah. And I think you're someone I know who weaves um, like uh, rugs. She's in her 80s and she said like one of the key things to her was to control the whole process as much as she could.
1: Okay. Um.
0: Yeah, because um, often things would break, or if you're relying on other people to do things for you, it might not happen how you want it to happen. Um. She articulated much better than I am now, but yeah, she said it's really important for her to um. Yeah, to control as much of her process as she possibly can from, from getting the wool from a sheep, to yeah, to making to having the rug finished. It's yeah, wild. Yeah,
1: so that's a good ethical production line.
0: Yeah, um, and definitely be- really good for you to get, get a little bit of knowledge in 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 the other the other sort of stuff. Obviously, we've we've had a really strange year, um, and you did you did like a YouTube event to promote the album. Yeah, Which,
1: yeah, that's right.
0: Yeah, um, how was that? How was that as a performance? Have you had you done had you done anything like that before?
1: Uh yeah so I I I'd played a um a couple of yeah live stream shows before and recorded some like live live and some pre-recorded and put into to onto roll for for the events um yeah I mean I, to be honest I I'm not a huge fan of those live stream shows I do think they kind of you know obviously atmosphere is a very very important part of uh a gig and that's pretty much completely missing uh, in on live stream. Although you know, there's a certain I was saying this to someone else the other day. There's a certain uh, like Lynchian nightmare quality to that kind of playing into the void vibe, which is which is interesting. Um, it has its own aesthetic, certainly, but I don't think I don't think I'd want it permanently over over uh, real gigs. I mean, the the the, sh- the the gig I did for the release was a bit different because it had a a more uh, you know, had a more th- uh, of, of 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 a theme running through it, which I I was I just played the the whole album in order, uh, so it wasn't you know you you, you were kind of not that I talk much in gigs at all or at all in fact, <laughs> um, but you can it was you know the fact that you're playing the whole album from you know from start to finish gives it a bit more of an intensity and purpose that I think, kind of maybe hopefully hopefully yeah give it a bit of more of an atmosphere than your he is six you know random songs that you know, a lot of other sort of live streams can be
0: yeah i th- i think it i think you it's it's an amazing stream I've watched it a couple of times, and i do think that you've you you know there is there is atmosphere to it a bit like you said a bit of a like a i think to anyone who's streaming there is like an it's sort of like a, an uncanny valley gig isn't it live streaming sort of like it looks real but it isn't real and you're not sure about it but yeah i think i think you definitely um yeah you definitely did that justice and you know there's so much adulation going on through your performance like everyone's loving it and um yeah i think you did tremendously well to have recorded that album released it and performed it live you know pretty much single-handedly i think that's um that's no mean feat
1: yeah well thank you (laughs)
0: Yeah, um, just to pick up on one, I mean, this is not something that I've nicked off um, Adam Buxton at all, but just to pick up on one YouTube comment, um, just because um, it's it's something like I asked you earlier about the alternate, the alter, the alternate base, alternating thumb style. So someone's written, uh, "Is she actually tremolo picking with her thumb?" While continue the continuing the picking pattern with the the index finger and middle finger, he's written triple question mark after that. Is are you doing that? What is tremolo I, picking? I don't
1: even know what. I I mean I. I don't know how you would tremolo picking with it. I do. I don't even know what that question means. Tremolo. I thought tremolo picking was when you did like the which would require all. You can't do that with your thumb. Can you do that? Yeah. I don't know what that question means.
0: Oh, brilliant. Probably oh. not. Then is the answer. <laughs> I'm glad. Um, I'm glad that we're on the same page with that because I thought, wow, tremolo picking. That just sounds. That sounds amazing. I mean, I don't even. I couldn't even begin to imagine how you would do that um let me bear in mind
1: i my my um musical uh technical you know theory is absolutely awful (laughs) you know i know no words for any of the things i can't read music i don't know i don't know what yeah my my knowledge of musical language is basically zero
0: yeah you've i think you've rendered it um redundant you don't need it you know you've you've gone beyond it
1: (laughs) that's that's useful then (laughs)
0: So, um, yeah, there's a video that you recorded in your father's house. Yeah, the uh, uh, Sometimes There's Blood video. Yeah, absolutely superb. It's got like a really gothic vibe to it. Um, What made you decide to record the video there?
1: Um... Well, it was actually my my my, my mother's idea. Uh, my mother's a my mother's a retired filmmaker, so it's not coming out of not coming out of nowhere. I mean, she shot right, wow. she shot and edited the whole thing. Um, wow. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's, it's so I'm, I'm just too cheap to pay people to do things, so everything everything comes out of talents that my mom.
0: Has. Can you edit my video for me? Yeah, basically. <laughs> I would love to see what happened if I'd that to my mom.
1: Um, that's amazing yeah. yeah it was just one of those things where we we and, you know needed <laughs> to do a video it was like right shit what 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 is there interesting and then she, yeah she came up with this thing because my yeah, my father's house is full of uh taxidermied animals on account that he uh he paints and he likes to paint animals and they're a lot easier to paint if they, if they don't move
0: definitely that's cool um yeah, I mean, I love all, like the marionettes, the sort of the characters that are in it as well. They've all oh, got like yeah. really spooky eyes, and um, yeah, it, those,
1: are, um, just, those are probably Sicilian puppets, I think.
0: Are they? And um, yeah, you've sort of got a deadpan, deadpan delivery, like just looking at the camera. Um, it's really well shot, and it's beautifully edited.
1: Yeah, it's yeah, it's 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 well, you know, it's, it's useful having talented family family members. Has your what
0: other films has your mum worked on?
1: Oh, well she she um uh, was like co with a bunch of other women at a production company uh, in in the South Wales Valleys, uh, sort of in in the in the early nineties. Mostly did like documentaries and stuff for for Channel Four and that.
0: Oh, cool! Any interesting what any interesting documentaries you'd recommend?
1: Um, well, she a bunch of stuff. I mean, um, they're all very very Welsh, so uh, things like. Um, Things like I think Mam is the best known one, which was about uh, women, but, uh, women in the Welsh valleys between the between the wars.
0: Excellent. Yeah, I really love that. Um, the way that video shot and um, <clears throat> yeah, the tone, the atmosphere of it. It's, um, it's yeah, it's superb. Thank you. Yeah, you've also um, we've talked a lot about the American American primitive style. Or um, yeah, but also like there is a connection of your music with Indian ragas as well.
1: I think yeah. I mean, this is to be. I mean, to be honest, like the American primitive. That that's a very common theme, as well. Uh, I I don't know. It's not something I've intentionally done, but I I agree that it's definitely it's definitely there, and I don't think it's from um, even necessarily from listening to other American primitive, I think maybe it's just something that falls naturally out of that style. I think that it kind of has that and you come out with that, with that sound that comes out like Raga. Yeah. I don't know why, but it's definitely, it's definitely a a thing. Yeah. That's present in, 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 in my stuff and in a lot of, uh, yeah, American primitive records, but not necessarily because we've all been listening to each other just because that seems to be what happens.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think it's a, it's sort of like a dream, like it's like a dream like adventure, like an unknown dream like adventure when you're listening to uh, repetitive music like that. Yeah,
1: there's certainly a, a you know there's a trance element to it, isn't there? It? It's like that, uh, yeah, meditative stuff. You listen, listen to some uh, 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 Master uh, Wilburn Burchett if you want to hear uh, med- meditation guitar man. And that stuff's wild. Really. Yeah, yeah. He's, um, he was a guitar player. Um, I think he was from the, from the 70s, I think it was, who uh, thought that, um, so he kind of figured that the universe was made of vibrations and that guitar, well, and that music, and he was a guitar player, obviously, so therefore his guitar uh, could, you know, create vibrations. It could therefore like, control space and time. So he thought he had, you know, he he invent he built his own guitar out of these different five different woods, and he built his own tremolo pedal, and he was he was convinced that you know he basically could un, un could manipulate harmonics to like unlock the godhead.
0: Wow, it's crazy.
1: <laughs> it's it's, just, it's also just really cool music, man.
0: When was he around?
1: I think that would be in the seventies.
0: That sounds great. I'm really looking forward to. it. Listening to some of that and just zoning out.
1: <laughs> yes, yeah, it's, it's yeah. You you will. I mean, it's hard not to.
0: <laughs> you also had a gig at a place called Union Chapel in Islington.
1: Yes. Which yes. is
0: online, which absolutely looks like the most amazing venue.
1: Yeah, it's crazy. It's just well, it's a huge chapel. Yeah, with amazing um uh, amazing stained glass everywhere. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, incredible acoustics. Yeah, that was um they put on a lot of shows in that in that in that venue. It's 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 definitely, yeah, probably one of the best venues in London.
0: Yeah, it looked amazing. It's like um I don't know if it's have you ever been to the you must have been to the Cardiff Castle. Sure, and yeah.
1: I mean when I was a kid.
0: Yeah, they've got the like a walnut. There's like a whole wall that's been carved out of walnut.
1: Right. And it, oh, I don't remember. I've, honestly, I've not been there since I was, like, an actual child, so...
0: Yeah, um, it's just, like, really ornately carved, and there's a whole wall of it in, like, the main dining room in Cardiff Castle, and um, it really, for a split second, I thought you might be there, but it's, yeah, it's, um, uh, yeah, it's in Islington.
1: Yeah, no, it's amazing. Definitely worth, worth, worth. always got good cake as well. Good good cake. Great venue, good cake. <laughs>
0: like... Is the two things that like I need what what we want is really good acoustics and some great cake and then best Absolutely. best gig ever. What Definitely. sort of cake do you like?
1: Uh ooh, I'm I'm actually I'm open. I'm very I'm very cake curious. <laughs> um I will eat any sort of cake. I like your yeah, yeah, I like a good lemon cake. That's a good one. That is a good one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Excellent. Excellent, cool. And yeah, other 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 venues that were up there was the one you mentioned before. The was it the Zone in Tacoma?
1: Rhizome, yeah, yeah. That's in uh in the yeah, in Tacoma Park. Uh, not not there's like America's got like there's because because of the way it is, it's just you know, I think I think there is a Tacoma as well, but it's the other coast. So it's Tacoma Park. Oh, ah, okay. No no Tacoma no no Tacoma is below. I don't know. They've got too many places that have got very, very similar names in the States. Is it near Hell for are, like, Certain? Uh, I, yeah, I think you can get the train. No,
0: I don't know. <laughs> I want to look up some more place names like that. It's ridiculous.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, hang on. No, 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 that's from, no, never mind. Excellent. Ah, God damn it! it's driving me nuts. I'm trying to remember, like, there this one, which is amazing, and it's, it's, it's completely, it's completely...
0: Yeah, I mean, of we've got some good ones in England. There are some funny place names in England. I think my, my friend lives in, um... He lives near Cambridge, and and he lives in a place called Six Mile Bottom.
1: That's yeah, pretty good. It's pretty, good. <laughs> it's
0: pretty decent. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's not as good as hell for certain, though. That is that no, that no. That's definitely takes the biscuit. Cool. So um, yeah, a, yeah. It's, I mean, it's difficult to predict anything in the future, and I don't really like to put any pressure on on you to sort of do a next thing but like what are you yeah. are you um I don't know what my question is there really I don't know if there is one oh
1: <laughs> I, <laughs> I mean, yeah I have I have normally trying to book shows in the new year but obviously it's all super you kind of have to have to plan that it is very likely won't happen so it's it's pretty it's pretty much impossible to 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 plan fully at this point i think
0: yeah but you especially with brexit definitely yeah with visas it's gonna be looks like it might be complicated but um well you've already i think you've already established that you can um perform from your own living room uh comfortably with (laughs) and, and very very successfully so um yeah um no, I really really like I really really love your music. I did buy your album on vinyl um this week just cuz I think it's it's oh, really me. really incredible.
1: Oh, thank you very do much. Do you
0: have do you have like any uh mantra that you live by or philosophy on life? <laughs>
1: um not no, <laughs> not really. I don't know. I was like, you know, just don't don't try not to worry so much, man.
0: That's a good one. That is important. Don't worry.
1: Yeah, don't worry. I mean, you should worry because the world's fallen apart. But also, you know, worry about that bit. But don't worry about the. Don't worry about the bits that don't matter. Definitely,
0: I like that you. You're the first person, other than um, I've been calling it the apocalypse all year, and you're the first person I hear also call what happened this year the apocalypse. Yeah. So um. Yeah. No, exactly. It, it is. It is good. <laughs> Well, um, I really li- I'm really looking forward to seeing you play live when it all happens again. Oh,
1: huh, thank you. Yeah, so I'm looking, I'm looking forward to playing live. Yeah.
0: Great. Well, thank you very much for speaking to me today. Um, oh, thank you very and, much. And um, yeah, long may you continue to record your albums from your living room to critical acclaim.
1: Oh, <laughs> well, thank you very much. Yeah, and uh, Best of luck with, uh, with, with your show. Thank you.
0: What an amazing talent Jennifer is, Um, unbelievable dedication, Uh, I I really admire that dedication to this singular instrument that she does with so many people, with gas, with gear acquisition, she's got one instrument and she just has mastered that and that's such a great blueprint I think for um, really creating something very special, which she definitely does do okay so uh yeah please check out the gofundme page uh, if you want to support the podcast it does help me out a lot next episode we're going to speak to uh someone who's worked in management so he's worked in uh, managed bands as well as djs uh, he's had a 28 year career in the industry so that's going to be a really really good chat because we talk about sort of a lot of psychology and things like that which is really up my street Excellent. So thank you very much for listening. Check out the GoFundMe page if you want to. And um, yeah, see you soon.